That's an excerpt of a piece called Perspective Dwellers by Tamika Reed. I promise I'll return uh, later on in the program and feature the whole piece because uh, it's a wonderful piece for string quartet. And we heard part of a live performance by the ensemble Decomposed from the Garfield Park Conservatory in Chicago. We heard Caitlin Edwards and Kyle Dixon on violin, Yelly Taylor on viola, and Tahira Whittington on cello. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and I'm really excited to have as my guests today Decomposed. And I got to speak with Corey Coleman, founder and executive director of Decomposed, as well as Yelly Taylor, who we just heard on viola, but who is also the artistic director. And, well, I started from the beginning. How did Decomposed get started? Yeah. um, So one day I was attending this classical music concert that was highlighting Black composers. And when I was attending the event, this kind of light bulb moment went off. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know anything about Black composers. I never heard of them or anything. And the reason that, like, insight is so interesting is because I'm a former violinist. So, like, throughout my whole music career, I had never been exposed to Black composers. So then I was like, I think it would be interesting if we could celebrate Black composers year round and consistently and not just during Black History Month. So I went back home to my computer. I started Googling Black musicians in Chicago. And then I came across Yelly Taylor, who is now the artistic director. And they were just perfect. They already had an acknowledgement and understanding of Black composers. And we were just complete strangers. I sent an email to them and was like, can you help me make this a reality? So... It was kind of just like going out with chance and by fate, and that's how we are where we are now. I feel like so many great things have happened because somebody wrote somebody else through like their contact page on, on a website. You know, it's like, <laughs> it sounds like that was kind of like that. Yelly, from your perspective, when you got the email, like what were you thinking? Um, when I received the email, it really was, um, I actually thought it was really advanced spam. Um, and I'm not joking. I was like, this email is perfectly written and it, you know, they've clearly been like, uh, aware of my searches of black composers. So this is odd. And I, um, I almost didn't answer, um, just because I can be terrible with emails. And so I was like, all right, let me look up and see if this is a real person. And once I found out that Corey was a real person, I was like, what is happening? This is actually too perfect and so um it was the first phone call that probably lasted like two hours um and we talked about everything outside of music things having to do with music and it was very clear from that phone call that uh we were gonna try to make this bring this to life so yeah i think i reached out in march and then we started planning for our first event in september and what year was that 2017. And what is the division of labor between the two of you? Like, what has it been and how has it evolved? <laughs> I'm going to let Corey start with that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, how to best tackle this question. So I think the reason me and Yelly work so well together is because we come from very different worlds. So my background is in marketing, advertising, brand strategy, and all of that. So I think the initial kind of like foundation of what our partners would be, what the overall vision should be, some of that kind of came from me. But where Yelly really shined was like this really understanding of the musical landscape and how to best incorporate um, 
Black composers? I don't know if that answered your question. I hope it did. No, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 when you start these kinds of things, it starts with a, a Google research, right? You're, you're looking up Black composers, and that leads you to one thing. It leads you to another. And you go down this kind of really fun rabbit hole of, of getting to know a lot of different people. Can you, um, either one of you, Yelly or, or, or Corey, just describe that process of, of just, you know, like, uh, of course, there were some composers you knew first right off the bat, definitely want to work with this person, and then maybe they suggest someone else. Just kind of, if you can, describe for the process of, of um, gradually becoming where you are today, where you know so much about um, these composers. See, so some of it, I, I think the Black uh, community in the classical music world is, it's quite large, but it's tight knit. And so oftentimes it was um, a friend. It's like, hey, here's my friend who is also this amazing composer. And you're like, okay, yeah. And then you look up their stuff and you're like, come on, you know, <laughs> you could have made a bigger deal about so-and-so being a, an incredible composer. Um, and some of it was uh, trying to find rep for um, each of our curated concerts and, you know, or Facebook and finding out this person that I have been researching is actually friends with 10 of my good friends. And so that's really been, um, it's really been through the social, uh, our, my social network. And I love, I love meeting people and uh, becoming friends with people outside of what they uh, share artistically with the world. And I think that's been the most enriching process as it's not some kind of, hey, I'm meeting you because I just wanna play your music. It's, hey, I wanna be your friend, but also can my ensemble play your music? <laughs> so, so it feels like I've, my, my group of friends and colleagues has been so deeply enriched um, through the work that I've done with Decompose. That makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I was after. I mean, just this idea that it starts with we want to play music um, and then it goes into like, yeah, we become friends and collaborators and, you know, it goes a whole different direction because, of course, they have input too. Um, that's really fantastic. How closely do you work with the composers? Do you commission new works? Do you, um, you know, I mean, do you mostly, do you mostly perform works that are already in, in creation or do you help uh, in the creation, creative process as well? So we have two works um, that have been commissioned. The first, so the biggest one is a commission that's actually through Ear Taxi and um, with Tamika Reed. And we had played, you know, uh, Perspective Dwellers a lot and we've become friends over time. And so that's currently happening. Um, and we are in conversation about what we want that to look like. And, you know, uh, the pandemic has really changed the timelines and, and capacity and also our imagination about how we want to share music. And so how that commission, I'm excited to see how that commission will come along. Um, and then another sort of smaller <laughs> kind of informal commission, we have uh, an arrangement of change is gonna come by Sam Cook. And that was actually a trade uh, between me and Joel Thompson, who is such a phenomenal composer. And I had been arranging music and I said, hey, my ensemble, uh, I'm supposed to arrange this piece. I can't arrange it. Uh, it's like too heart wrenching and too good. And I don't have the skills to do that. And so I said, you have time. And he said, yes. And he said, I need text for a uh, vocal work that I'm writing. Uh, so would you mind writing some poetry for it? 
And I was like, sure. And we decided on the lawn at uh, Millennium Park that we were going <laughs> to do this exchange. And so that was sort of the first kind of informal uh, commission. And now we're working with Tamika for the next one. And we look to keep expanding. That's really cool. I mean, uh, I, I, if somebody asked me to write poetry, I would be terrified. <laughs> I, think I, well, I mean, so I actually write poetry, like okay, I'm okay. a writer on the side. So it uh, wasn't like, hey, do something that you've never done before. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> I had just never written it um, in mind for to be sung. So that that was a really new and fun experience. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about that for poets, what it feels like, because I mean, you know, when you hear it set to music, it's so different than the way you were thinking about it. Well, yes, I was thinking just about the words and how the words um, would flow. And I actually was there when the piece was premiered um, in Michigan. And like to hear my words set by anyone would be fantastic. But Joelle Thompson is such an incredible composer that I was stunned to know that this these, this text that I had written at like 1 a.m., in my uh, bedroom in Chicago was like being sung <laughs> um, by, you know, uh, a full ensemble. So it's, it's, I think going back to your previous question about, you know, working with composers, I think we're all encouraging and challenging and inspiring each other to expand our voices in all these different kinds of ways. And so that's also been a nourishing um, part about building this community.
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like exactly. Yeah, it, it's incredibly creative community. I mean, uh, is that fair to say, Corey? It sounds like, and, and, and Yelly, just like, I, I picture in my mind, just emails going back and forth, and let's. What if we try this? Let's just throw this at the wall and see if it sticks. You know, that that kind of um, feel. Yes, I mean, over Zoom and phone calls <laughs> for me, not over email. Um, I'm old, but, you know, so. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, something like that. And it can also just be inspiration of things that are not musical and not creative and, you know, thinking about sort of larger themes and experiences that we're having in life can be sort of the source that we, we start to work with. But, it, but it's great. It's a great it's a, such a creative and loving, I think, and encouraging community to be a part of. Obviously, a lot has changed with the, the pandemic. I mean, you know, I'm always telling people it's so strange to have gone from, you know, spending so much of my life trying to get people to come to a concert to switching over to like how many people is safe <laughs> we can't have any more you know the limiting it but um but I'm, I'm curious about how you know we've talked about the the internal community of decompose the composers that you're working with the performers that you're working with but how do you communicate that community to people at large and, and bring in an audience and, and bring in support and just kind of communicate what you're doing you know outside of that community I think the main thing that's kind of like integral to our whole process is really meeting our community where they are. So I think especially in 2020 and even now, one of the things we realize is we don't want to just create work that's kind of just in a void. Uh, we want to create work that shows that we're in conversation with our community and understanding with like what's going on. So one of the things we created, um, I think it was in 2020, I'm getting all my years mixed up, in 2020, um, was a time for healing. And it was a visual film kind of project that we recorded in Garfield Park Conservatory. It featured meditation and sound bowls. And we thought this type of experience was important to create because we knew this was a time where we needed healing. There was all this news going on about police brutality. So we were like, let's create something that addresses that specific need. So that's kind of how we're bringing our community into our process. Instead of assuming that people just want entertainment and just a concert for us, we're really careful to think about what is our overall intention? What is the goal? Like, how do we want people to feel when leaving our experiences? Um, there's a lot of thought and maybe sometimes me and Yelly could argue there's too much thought that goes into how we create something and being very mindful of like what we're presenting and making sure that it resonates. Yeah, and I think in addition to that, um, we were always, um, we always had an intimate, this intimate relationship in mind from day one, um, given like when it was in person, the size of an audience to, you know, when I wrote the newsletters, making sure that it felt like I was talking to a specific person or that I'm talking to you particularly. And so I think it's all about um, feeling, just feeling, finding more and more ways to feel connected authentically than like we're out here just, you know, throwing out music um, all the time for everyone, you know. So I, I hope that sort of adds or <laughs> adds something to that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's great because one of the things I think, you know, when something like a pandemic happens, which I can't believe I'm saying that, um, but, you know, but it did and, and it's continuing to happen. We, what, what, you know, 
you have an event that you're doing or something, but it's not about the event. It's about communication, like you said. I mean, so it forces you to go back and say, well, what was our original intention? What are we actually trying to accomplish here? And can we still accomplish it? The tools have changed. The, the reality has changed. But people are still out there. And, you know, we, we can hopefully still communicate our mission. So I, I love what you're doing. I love how you pivoted. Um, and yes, I, I, I want to hear this, um, the meditative piece, because I, I need it. <laughs> I need that in my life. Thank you.
Tell me about some other plans that you uh, you have um, in the you know in the near future. The near future is mainly thinking about this concept of community and kind of what that means in terms of like our work, work and how we um, collaborate and work with other people. Um, so I don't have specific answers around that, but we're really thinking about how can we show up for people in a way that's authentic. Um, and again, showing our mission that we're not just about entertainment. So it's like, how are we providing healing? How are we providing a platform for other artists that we collaborate with? How do we give people the space to just kind of express themselves creatively? So I think I would say a big theme moving forward is redefining what community means and making sure that we're not throwing it around as just like a buzzword or the word of the moment and making sure that we're being kind of intentional about what that means. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, describe for me, I should have asked this first, but like actually describe Decomposed. I mean, there is an ensemble, but you're not necessarily just an ensemble. Um, you know, Yelly, you, you work with Project Inclusion. Are, are there um, educational initiatives? Like, like what is your model for, for Decompose? If you can actually just describe it for me. This is a, a question that we are continuously finding the answers to or exploring the answers to. Definitely, we are an ensemble, obviously. And, you know, and our mission is to um, celebrate Black history and culture, right, through the music of Black composers. So we are we are the ensemble, but we also are collaborating with other artists. We are also um, growing our educational curriculum, and it's really about reflecting the beauty of the history and the present and the future of the Black community, right? And we are uh, using art, uh, particularly music, as the vehicle. Um, but so, so we are, we are trying to figure out like, what's the concise, you know, way to say this, but we are, we are still figuring out how, how expansively can we do this? The thing I would add to that too, is I think a big word that kind of comes up when I think about what our experiences look like is to really challenge what the classical music feel experience feels like and looks like. So we're always trying to push those boundaries creatively because we know that historically this field has excluded a lot of people. And, you know, there's a lot of people in our community that haven't had exposure to Black composers and haven't been to a classical music concert. So when we create something, we're like, okay, what would be something really dope that we haven't seen before? And instead of doing a concert, how can we give it that twist so it feels like it's more true to our culture? Um, and the Black experience overall. So we kind of challenge what that experience would look like while also kind of redefining and creating our own definitions of that in the process. So it's a lot of world building and kind of creating the spaces that we've always wanted to see that we weren't normally seeing. So it's ever evolving, ever challenging, um, ever changing. Um, one thing that makes me think of, I think a lot of ensembles are, you know, when they're working, whoever's doing the curating have, you know, a particular audience in mind, or maybe there is no audience. It's just like everyone, you know, um, who wants to listen to what I'm doing. But one of the things that really drives me is like, what's something that my dad would listen to or watch? Or how can we create a space where my older brother or my cousins, or these people in, people in my family, my community can say, I want to go there. 
or I didn't know this is happening, or this is interesting, and I want to share this with someone else. Um, and so that's really what drives a lot of what I'm doing is to continue to create this space where people want to be or, or find that they're learning something or they're reflected in a way that they did not anticipate. Yeah, that's great. I think that really goes back to what we were talking about earlier when you write copy for the newsletter, that, that it's, it's directed in your mind towards you know, a person. Um, of course, it's, it's meant to be read by a lot of people, but, um, but that's what gives it the personal tone, and, and I, I really like that. Um, the writer, Kurt Vonnegut, said he wrote every single one of his books for his sister. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I'm so happy that I became famous and, and millions of people have read my books, but they're really for her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. Uh -huh. <laughs>
I'm curious, you know, um, Corey, you used the word classical, and, and, and you know, many of us who work with uh, contemporary composers find that that word is, uh, is tricky, you know, because when you talk to people outside of the field, of course, and, and you know, the major institutions, which I'm always like giving them a hard time, but you know, because they, they play, classical music just means dead white guys from Europe, right? I mean, um, and, and so we, we've struggled, so many of us in the field, you know, you hear people talk about indie classical, you know, trying to like come up with new names for it. Um, and for me personally, I, I've decided that we just need to expand the word itself. You know, like if you say radio now, uh, somebody over you know, my age thinks of the radio, <laughs> somebody younger thinks of a podcast, but the word itself still has meaning. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Is, that. is that what you think we need to do with classical with that word? I think in general, that definition, I could see how it's limiting, but I do agree that it needs to be more expansive and all encompassing of the experience. And I think the reason I struggle to let it go entirely is I recognize that people who aren't a part of this world, classical is automatically easier to connect to when they're thinking about string instruments or certain instrumentation. So when you start to add language that people haven't been regularly introduced to, that's when you're kind of leaving people out of the conversation. So I do think for people in the field, it's important for it to be kind of this expansive uh, definition but to also recognize that we can't entirely get rid of it because that's easier associations for some people. That's what I struggle with is like, well, what would we call it that is easily understood by anyone who's a not a part of that world? I totally agree. I talk about like, you know, and it's like, it's not succinct at all. I'm like, well, there's the written tradition where like one person writes notes on a page for other people to play. Right. And the score is the definitive version of the piece versus the oral tradition, which is handed down, you know, blah, 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 blah. And people are like, they're gone. I'm like, oh, you're gone. Okay, well, <laughs> all right, it's, it's classical music, screw it, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's new classical, you know. Um, I'm curious about because like one of the other issues with classical music um, for everybody, but especially for excluded, you know, historically excluded composers is this thing of putting busts of people. I mean, you know, when you have like eight people who get elevated, maybe 10, I don't even know how many it is, they get elevated to bust stature, you know, I mean, for, from your perspective, would you want to see a black composer up there with the other busts or would you just get rid of all the busts in general? Does that make sense? Does that question even make sense? I have a slight controversial, I don't think it's controversial. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm a firm believer in not necessarily trying to ask and beg for a seat at the table. I think we could create our own tables. So it's like, I don't even know what the bus thing is. I'm just now learning this, I guess. But um, I don't think Black composers work or the work of Black creators is only validated once they're recognized alongside white people or dominant culture. I think we could validate our own work and have it in our own communities. So I'm not necessarily saying that like, I want us to see that same recognition. What I kind of want to see is our own community just become more aware and validated and for us to get the support that we need but it doesn't need to be in proximity to like whiteness i guess yeah i think that's great yell and i were talking about this a couple of years ago when i wrote an article for new city magazine but i mean it takes enormous resources to become a classical musician like it just does you know i mean the instrument alone costs x amount the lessons cost x amount 
Um, if, if you are an ambitious person and you want to become well-known, you probably need to hit the festivals. <laughs> you know, you have to go to the right school, quote unquote, where you meet people that are blah, 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 blah. So I, mean, I completely agree with you, Corey. I, I think the, the answer is you know, to provide resources for everyone equitably. And, um, you know, and to a certain extent, I mean, you know, some of this stuff, yeah, yeah, you, you have to kind of, uh, I, I like what, the way you phrased it, that, that, you know, it's like we're not trying to justify ourselves. We just want to create resources and, and you know, create really great music and, and focus on creativity. Mm -hmm. If I'm I not think. stating that. What's really interesting too is uh, bust is a way to to preserve um, sort of the importance and have these visual reminders, and I think that you know black people have our ways of doing it right that doesn't have to be in that form um, the way that we memorialize um, ancestors or contributors to our culture and so I think that it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting question for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna keep thinking about that actually. <laughs> I know for me, I mean, I'm a white man. When I go to Symphony Center, which I haven't done in a long time, you know, uh, where the CSO plays and literally on the outside of the building, it's like Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, Mozart. Like, I don't feel all that welcome. And again, I'm a white man, you know, and you just think like, well, I just won't go to the symphony anymore, I guess, which is a bummer because I really like orchestral music. Um, but, you know, fortunately, there's plenty of other places that I go to hear things. Um, and, I, and I don't understand how the people that run those symphonies don't look out at their own building and, and see that that looks really exclusionary. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's like seven people on the building that they're saying are, you know, the tops. And it's just kind of weird to me. I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like I don't feel it doesn't make me curious about those seven people. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting about it is not only is it exclusionary, but it's showing kind of like this stuck in time. Like if you're only showing people from a certain time period or whatever, is there room for other people to be recognized? Are they just going to continue doing the same thing for like centuries and not really changing? So it's like me as like someone who's attending events, I want to see someone that's interested in evolution and change and not only kind of stuck on the past. I couldn't agree more. I just had an idea. I'm going to tell the CSO that this is what they need to do. You know, those faces they have at Millennium Park, they're always changing. I love that. They can put that on their building. <laughs> and it's always it's an ever rotating cast of people who, who get to participate in classical music. Hopefully it would be everybody, you know, but <laughs> instead of just a few people. <laughs> I don't know if they'll go for it, but I'm going to send them an email. When we could try. <laughs> when we finish info at CSO.org, like we were talking about earlier. You know, you don't know me, but I have an idea for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to use this. By the way, I don't have any money to contribute to help you. <laughs> it's that part. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about Decomposed? Anything that, that uh, you should say that I didn't ask you about? Um. I guess we could, I don't even know where to start. There's just so much to do with Decompose. It's like, we have our newest coloring book out, um, Music and Color, Volume 4. Um, and essentially what we're kind of doing with that is showing the relationship between music and art. But it's also another way to introduce people to the works of Black composers in kind of new and imaginative ways. So at this coloring book, Yelly curated a playlist and what I asked each of the artists to do was kind of select which songs that they were inspired by while they were creating these illustrations. Um, 
So we're just always thinking of new ways we can introduce more people to Black composers, especially people who are traditionally excluded. Like I'm always thinking of when I'm creating the concepts, what would a non-classical music person think or want to see? Um, so yeah, check out our coloring book. Well, I promised we would go back and listen to Perspective Dwellers again, and let's do it. This is the whole piece. Again, uh, that live performance at the Garfield Park Conservatory featuring Caitlin Edwards, Kyle Dixon on violin, Yelly Taylor on viola, and Tahira Whittington on cello. Thank you. 
Okay, that's the whole piece, Perspective Dwellers by Tamika Reed, performed live at the Garfield Park Conservatory in Chicago by Decomposed. I want to thank Decomposed for all the great work that they do for getting me this audio, and I want to thank Corey Coleman and Yelly Taylor for taking the time to talk to me and be guests on the program today. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org. For Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. Thanks so much for listening.